Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys. And every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. Okay, Frankie Russo, thank you for being on. And you and I were jamming and I'm like, no, no, hold, hold, please. We got the record button. I let's hit the record and let's jam. So you just said something two seconds ago mm-hmm. that everybody needs to hear. What was it? Okay. I, we were t- talking about our passion, our calling, and we were talking about our, our one statement for the world. Right. Yeah. And you know, that one of my big ones lately, especially has been love your weird. Okay. And we were talking about, man, we got to get that, you know, we didn't make sure everything's like trademarked and all that fun stuff, which of course it is. But here's the thing. Not that many people are really lining up for the word weird. You know, when I was doing Breaking Why and the Art of Why, a lot of people, everybody's fine with talking about why. Yeah, it's cool. It's in. Thank you, Simon Sinek. But here's the thing. Weird is something that no one is trying to fight me on that. I That's what I've learned is that no one's trying to, everybody loves it, especially women. Women, every woman I've told love your weird to, they love it. Guys, on the other hand, especially in corporate America, it's like, well, I don't know, man. We need to get serious about revenue. We need to get serious about margins. We got to get serious about not having churn. I don't know about weird. You know what I'm saying? We're having some real issues right now. If we would love your weird, what's that about? So anyway, I always think it's funny because a lot of the ideas I've had in the past, I've been scared someone would steal it. Uh, but with love your weird, like not that many people lining up to steal it. Well, <laughs> at least not yet. And I freaking love you. Like I, we go way back, right? Um, mm-hmm. We did boot camp together through Impact Eleven a few years ago, and now well, it was Three Ring Circus back then. So we're old yeah. school. Yeah, yes, we go way, we're way OG back. OG Three Ring Circus. Forget about Impact Eleven. We're OG Three Ring Circus. We are, and now we're in Impact Eleven together uh, for speaking the community, that all of it. And you and I sat in the back with the master class, this last master class, and you had a moment. And I mean, I yes. have, we all talk about you like, this is why I love you. Cause we mm. also love our moments and you had a moment and tell us about the moment. Okay. So first of all, I'm not much of a crier. Now I love not. to cry. No, I'm not much of a crier, but I love to cry. And, and, and I usually will cry at like, you know, saving private Ryan type movies or like when I feel like I'm, I'm getting, I'm touching the God matter a bit or the universe powers. And, and I'm, I'm feeling like, oh my God, I'm in this moment that like aligns with my calling or my why. All right. And so when that happens, it's a lot of times it happens on stage where I'll kind of choke up. People don't realize it's happening, but like it's happened many times I'm on stage because I'm like, man, I'm 
living this. And, um, you know, it's happened also like when I'm helping a drug addict or alcoholic get sober, right? Those types of moments where I know I'm in this raw moment of, of truly unconditionally helping others without taking score, that happens. Okay, well, this was unexpected though. So that day in Detroit, I cried like seven times. It was blowing my mind. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And it, and so one of my mentors, Seth Madison, was doing a masterclass on how he's finally embracing the word love. And that is not a very accepted word in corporate America as like a strategy, right? You walk into a boardroom and say, we've got a new strategy and it's love. It's like said no corporate person, maybe ever, or not very often. Okay. So he's, He's talking about how he's finally stepping into it. I don't, he doesn't care anymore. He's doing it, you know, corporate America be damned, if you will. And I'm sitting there in the, in the, in the masterclass. I'm like, God, that is exactly where I'm at. And I, and so the, but where the tears came from was not just me being willing to finally love my weird. So the iron, irony of me having my talk and my content be love your weird is that I spent the majority of my life hating my weird. Now, I didn't think of it like that. I didn't wake up every day. We're going to hate our weird. No, but I masked it. I masked it in business, masked it in, in, in a suit, masked it in, in trying to be something that um, I wasn't. And essentially, my own journey to loving my weird is where a lot of this came from. And what I've learned, and, and I've been scared, I haven't had the boldness, as you put it, or the courage, as you put it, to go full weird. Okay. But that's over. The days of me not going full weird are over. And they the final last percentage of me being at 100% full weird was that day in Detroit. It was because I had this moment, a moment where I realized that my children, so I have six children. Sarah knows that. Some of you guys might not know that. I have six children. Okay, so just a real quick side sidebar. I've recently realized, Sarah, that I thought my credibility was all this stuff I've done in business or doing books and talks and all this nonsense. I thought that was my credibility. It's just recently that I've uncovered that my main credibility is that I'm the father of six young children because there's no better case study because as you know, I'm very passionate of unlocking the child within. And I think there's a ton of power in that. And, and we'll, we can double click on that later, but a lot of it is about the, the weird kid that we all were at five years old and how we've tried to suppress that. And a lot of times we've done it unconsciously. Now, brings me back to the six children. So the reason I kept crying that day is because I realized in that moment that I have to, have to lean into my calling. I have to, to see Love Your Weird Through for my children. And I realized that when my kids grow up and they're facing shame and they're facing uh, fear and anxiety and depression and all the things that we face as adults, they're going to know that their dad, unlike all the other dads, is the love your weird dad. I mean, what greater legacy could I give these children than to be the love your weird dad? And that just kept rocking me all day. And I kept tearing up because like, ah. I was like, because oh, that's not I'm not the guy who leads with I'm a father, you know, and a husband. You know, a lot of people, that's their their thing. And I love I love you for it. But that's not my brand is that I'm a husband and a father and like that guy, I'm not ashamed of it, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, that's not ever been my thing. And I'm not saying it is my thing or who knows, but in that moment, I realized no matter how I split this, love your weird. And, and I believe that love your weird, the movement of it is going to impact thousands of lives. 
I do really believe that I, in my bones, I now know it. But the fact is it's, it's really going to be for those six kids. And like, I've never been that aligned in my life on anything where wife and kids and work and callings and sobriety and all that stuff aligned into one in that moment. And that's why I kept tearing up because I was like, just, it was killing me in a good way, you know? So just, does that answer your question? Oh, yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I, we, I, if you remember, like that was, there were like a lot of hugs after that. I was yes. like, yes, yes, yes. The thing is, that was a spiritual moment all the way oh, around. Seriously, serious spiritual moment. And, and I remember, you know, when Seth was on stage too, and we were talking, he, he was talking about that whole love thing. And I'm like, yes. And, and I, the reason that I love you so much is because you do, you do embrace every single part of who you are. And I a hundred percent agree with you. I'm not, I mean, I'm a mom too. That's not, only who I am. I mean, there's so mm -hmm. much more to it. Of and course. when I had to go through this exploration of making bold moves, I resisted that too. I was like, no, like I'm, I mean, make bold moves and everybody, like literally every single person that I talked to said, you are the make bold move woman. I'm yeah. like, what? But I know. Like, really? I know. Really? I know. But like, really? I know. I know. It's not that hard. And they were like, that's why you're the make bold move person. Like, this is why you are who you are. Yes, because it and is hard for them. That's the part that's so hard. easy to forget. It it's is so hard. Easy to forget and, that. and like embracing your weird is very hard for some people. It is very, very it's not what? hard for me because I love my weird. Yes, I, you're in what I, I call the one to 2%. I, I, I talk about this all the time. There's one to 2%, maybe less, I don't know, that that love love their weird right and they happen to be most of my friends i all almost all of my friends love their weird yeah okay but it's not like i have a million friends and it's like but i've found what i've realized is that i've attracted those people into my life right and i've pursued those people at the same time and so you love your weird yeah that's why we're friends but a lot of people struggle with it especially i find in the workplace mm. That's where it re and, and especially males, like, like I told you, I mean, it's like, look, women that I talk about, love your weird too. I, I have not met a single woman. That's not like, yes, I love it. Especially because a man just said it to them. Right. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make this a sexist thing at all, but, it, but there is like a masculine kind of thing, especially in corporate America that I'm really getting slammed in the face with lately. Like I'm, I'm having this crazy realizations lately of just how much women get it okay i'm just gonna say it women get stuff so much earlier than men have we had this conversation have we no, had this yet? I just had okay this conversation with another man no let me double click on this for a second yeah yeah and if you're a man listening i don't really care listen here's what it is okay when i'm having this epiphany and my wife is is the best at this, right? So I'll, I'll hire a coach or a consultant or go to Impact 11 and spend all this money. And I'll come back to her and I'll be like, you're not going to believe this. And I'll, and I'll tell her whatever it is, right? And she's like, are you freaking kidding me? I've told you this like 14 ways to Sunday and you had to pay somebody 50 grand to tell you that? This is ridiculous. And so I, I started looking at that and I'm like, wait a second. And then I looked at corporate America. So you have all these amazing women in corporate America and the fact that they are willing to literally know exactly already what we need to do and be patient enough and sit back and watch men super slowly finally have this epiphany that we need to do X. And they're like, oh, really? That's great. And this whole time they knew. They knew the whole time. And I mean, bravo to women. I mean, they 
women already know the answer and like they're they're literally a, and they know they know the answer and every woman knows they know the answer and they're literally appeasing all of us macho egomaniac men in corporate america that like are we have the epiphany so fucking late i know we're not supposed to curse bleep that out for the speaker bureaus Leave that out for the speaker bureau, Sarah. It doesn't have to be bleeped out because this, this, I've got permission. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I feel like I've woken up from a dream. I'm like this whole time they've known like, oh my God, I thank you women for being amazingly patient with these ridiculous macho men in corporate America. It's it's out of control. Well, listen. I'm starting to talk about it from the stage too. I said it at a a, a, a deal in two weeks ago. And I said, to her, I said look, I'm just going to say this. And and I said what I just said to you, and it's like I don't even know if the men heard it, but the women definitely heard it. You well, know? there is there is something to that. The person that I was talking to, he has three daughters, and I have three sons, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just gonna break it down for you, all right? And I literally broke it down for him, and he's like, <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe yes. this to me. I said, I don't. Uh huh. This is what's gonna happen in your future because I've already been there, and I also yes. like we 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 can we foreshadow like we can see it right and yes so, so okay. I, four of my children by the way are girls so i have five uh, women in my house so obviously i've I've had no I'm choice jealous. but to take another look I'm but jealous. they women are amazing uh they aren't afraid to peak way later in life which mm-hmm. they do and men it's right when men are like realizing that like the world that they've been trying to build is crumbling And I've tried to anticipate that. I've known that for a long time, by the way. I've known that the feminine movement versus the masculine movement is is masculine peaks early and then is doesn't know why they have a midlife crisis. And so I've I've tried to anticipate the midlife crisis a bit. Um, You know, I already had mine probably five years ago. At least I hope that's what it was. Um, But yeah, women, I don't know what it is. It's just like there's something to be learned from that. And I'm far from a feminist, by the way. So I don't want to give that impression. I'm not a feminist per se, but there's something there. I don't know. Right. You know, something there. Right. Okay. So I want to dive into something though with you that you said you had your five years ago, right? Yes. How much has you, has it been with you loving your weird allowed you to step into this person? That oh you my God. Is? Yes. Thank you, you for asking. You're sober. You're freaking hilarious. You are vulnerable. You're authentic. You are honest to God, Frankie, like, you step into the room and you are such a loving human being filled oh. with energy. Truly. Like I, I, I consider you a brother. Like you oh. are, I've never met your wife. She is one. She's amazing. Lucky, You'll meet she's one lucky woman. Like you, like truly, like I can only imagine what you two are to like together because it's, it's wild. And so know, she's, she, so first of all, she's not my first wife and she is my now. love your weird wife, period. <laughs> So love, first of all, when I love your weird came after being already sober nine years. Okay. And I thought when love your weird started to, to, to bubble up, I had already thought that I knew how this world worked. In fact, I wrote my first book and the title was master your purpose. Now, when a 35 year old male, by the way, writes a book that's master your purpose, don't read it. I mean, come on now. This is ridiculous. If it wasn't for the fact that it allows me to have two bestsellers, I would have scorched the earth with that book. Now, now that we've gotten honest about that. So yeah. here I am. I'm 35-ish, 36. I've written the Master Your Purpose book. I've clearly got it all on lock. And then boom, 
I get divorced, right? And and my my doing, my my choice, right? And it was because I I had no idea how much I was living an inauthentic existence. Uh huh. So the version you know of me that the world knows now, right, is a version that came from great pain. Like the, so, love your weird actually happened. I was at the, I call it the codependency festival. So I felt like I was a drug addict crashing a codependency festival. Uh, it's called Onsite for those of you who are wondering. And I went to Onsite, and some people that are listening might have been to Onsite. It's fucking amazing. Uh, but on the second to last day of Onsite, because they do a lot of work, everything's about your inner child, and like who was your five six year old self. And this is where that my work in in the inner child really started. This was uh, what twenty seventeen was it six years ago, and so. Love your weird, even though I'm just now pushing it to the forefront, was an idea and a and a mantra that I adopted six years ago. And this was the first time I didn't immediately come out with a book. Like in the old days, I my from the, the time it took for me to have an idea for it to be a national press release was like negative 60 seconds. And so for me to sit on it this long and actually do something different, I was like, all right, I'm gonna try something different. Instead of writing two books and then figuring out what I want to say after the fact, you know, or does it even, do I really even believe in it? Uh, let me do something different. Let me, let me believe in something and test it and bring it to the world. And then I'll write the book like novel idea, right? That's super novel, novel. for me. Uh, and so, you know, anyway, love your weird came from me, not loving my weird. This authentic person that you now see and you know of me is because I got to a place quick. So everything I've ever done in life is fast. Okay, fastest growing companies in America, blah, blah, blah. Everything was about fast. So I got fast to my limit of lies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're looking at a professional liar. Mm. You didn't know that because you didn't meet me until I was had gotten to my quota of, for a human's lifetime of lies. Wow. Yes. My favorite line of a movie. Okay. You wow. Did, yes. Okay. You ready for this? Denzel Washington flight. Have you seen it? No, I don't watch TV or movies. Ooh. Sorry. I know. Okay. Do, okay I'm putting do, it on okay. that day. Put it, write that down. Okay. Basically at the end of the movie, he has an opportunity to be like, um, what do they call it when you you're on trial, but then you, he, he could have said one lie and all he had to do was lie in this one moment of this hearing and he would have not had to go to jail. Wow. But in that one moment, he realized that he had reached his limit oh. of lies for his lifetime. And he was a drug addict and, and he was a pilot. Oh. And he ended up saving a bunch of lives, but he was high and had alcohol in him that day. And, and the fact is, is that he 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 really did save a lot of lives, even though he was high. But the, the, but the fact was, is that he was on trial for having been under the influence. And it's such a powerful movie about, about the truth and about the fact that, so here, here's what it is. I finally got to a moment and my divorce was part of this. So here's the thing about my divorce. Before I got divorced, I fell in love with my now wife. Wow. Yeah. So not everybody knows that part. So your first thoughts are like, look at this asshole. Right. And I tried to all kinds of stuff to try to fix it and not go that route. And I, what I realized was that what happened was, is that Tracy, my wife now, she saw my weird because I wasn't showing her 
I wasn't trying to be anything. I wasn't trying to be in love with her. And I, and, and I could, I'll, I'll tell you that story another day, but the, the fact was that was the first time somebody saw me when I wasn't trying to be whatever I was, my perception yeah. I'd always tried to be, including with my ex-wife, my ex-wife, it was always like, I, I was, people would say, Oh, you're, you, I don't even recognize you when you're around your ex-wife. People used to tell me all the time, like, what are you talking about? I'm the same person, no matter where I'm at. And I was probably eight people. And that's being conservative. I was probably eight different people thinking that like, oh, I'm, I'm the same everywhere. And I was so lost. I was in such a deep level of denial. I had, I had subconsciously pushed my weird down, pushed who I was down in whatever setting I needed to because I wanted people's approval. So the love your weird is, is a journey of, of, of fighting the fact that in, inside I'm an astronaut, cowboy, inventor, TV preacher all at the same time. Okay, that, that's who I, I am. That's my five-year-old self, right? And I thought that I had to suppress that because kids at a young age said that that was weird. They said, you need to stop being like that. People said that's ridiculous. And so I started to go down the journey of being becoming a convergent, which is what most people become as adults. And Love Your Weird was about my journey of finally being in a space where I was like, you know what? This doesn't have anything to do with either of these women. When I peeled it back, I was like, this doesn't have anything to do with either of these women. And I love my wife now, but like straight up, this had to do with the fact that I wasn't anywhere near living out my authentic self. I was living an inauthentic existence thinking I was authentic. And so what, what happened was the beginning of a journey where my new religion became honesty. Ooh, That's ooh, my religion. Ooh, ooh. Go, hold, go, your hold, turn. Please. That was a long, that hold, was a long please. Journey. No, hold, please. Go, go. No, I, I just, I really want everybody to understand this. Like, hear those words. Yes. My new religion is honesty. Yes. Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or want to learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life. Use the coupon code LIVEBOLDLY at checkout, L-I-V-E-B-O-L-D-L-Y. Go grab them, sarahshiltoncrans.com, underneath more and digital programs. You want me to double click on it? You double click on that. Here we go. Let's go. All right. So, all right. It doesn't matter if you're religion, even if you think of it as an Aesop's fable. We're going to talk just for a, a second, second about, yes. about the tree. Right. So there's a story in the old book. Doesn't matter religion. Right? It, and even if you're looking at it as a metaphor, it's still an interesting metaphor, regardless yeah. of your religion. But in the beginning, there was this garden and there was this tree and it was you could eat from anything you wanted except for this one tree. Do you remember what the tree was? The tree. Okay. Of <laughs> no, no, you could eat. You could eat all that. You could. You, <laughs> I don't know. You could get up in that. I don't know. <laughs> it was, so here's what it was. It, uh, it was the knowledge. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I, I've double clicked on this quite a bit in my life because I, I was just curious. Right. And I'm not, I'm no longer a religious person, but I was taught all the Sunday school stuff. So but I've looked at it. I was like, what's the deal with that? Right. Well, what, what's the deal with this tree? And again, even if it's a metaphor, even if you don't agree with the book or you don't believe in it, that's fine. But the metaphor was essentially as humans, the one thing that we shouldn't be eating is the knowledge of good and evil. Now, why is that? It's because the second I eat that tree, 
I become the judge. And not just judging you, but most importantly, judging myself. And here's the other thing, right and wrong. Okay, here we go. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question, which I think I know the answer, but if you don't feel comfortable, don't answer it. No, Do go. you think it was right or wrong to fly those two planes into the Twin Towers? Well, of course it was wrong. Well, there you go. Well, how about the fact that there's two people just like me and you on the other side of the world right now that not only think it was right, they, they feel like their God told them to do it. Right. So right. so who's right? Are, are me and you right because we're American and, and, and we just think we're right because of that? Or are they right? And we could debate this all day long, just like every decision everyone makes could be debated from their perspective. Right and wrong, good and bad is so subjective that it's become mutated to a level that no one can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. However, let me ask you another question. How many lies had to be told over the course of multiple years to get those two planes into the buildings? Oh, wow. Millions. Millions, yeah. A countless number of lies. So my north, my religion has become... Very simple. I don't even evaluate right and wrong. I don't evaluate good and bad. It's one question. Do I have to lie about it? Yeah. And not to you. Because yeah. Okay, cool. Right. To me, the journey is the lies I tell myself and the layers of that, but that I don't even know the difference. I think what I've learned is that like, man, the boldface lies is one thing. The leaving shit out, that's another thing. But the real thing is when I tell you a lie and I don't even know it's a lie. Right. And that is the that is the superpower of denial. One of the biggest villains in my journey. So one of the things I've been doing lately is I've been I've been so focused on the on the the hero. Like for you, boldness, courage, that's the hero. For me, authenticity, imagination, selflessness, that's the hero. You know what's been helping me lately? Who's the villain? Make mm -hmm. sure that you're deeply talking about the villain. Because here's the thing. Most of the people that you and I are called to help, they're not familiar with boldness. Not enough. But they are familiar with fear. Yes. They are familiar with anxiety. They are familiar with conformity. They are familiar with the villains. And so it's as important to talk about the villains as it is to talk about the heroes. Yep. So anyway, there, there you have it. Like if I've got to lie to myself or I've got to lie to you, there's my answer. And what a nerd. Damn. Okay. That's like mic drop. Uh-oh. Mic drop. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, you know, the three words that I have lived by are truth, inspiration, and hope right? Like those are yes. three, truth, inspiration, help. It's very simple. Yep. Those are three words that came to me when I was paddling out on the Pacific ocean and asked literally like had a conversation with God, the universe, what's my, what, what's guiding me? What is my true North? Right. That's it. That's it. Have truth, your honesty. If this is your story, yes. Be inspired every day to get up, to go do your thing and always have hope, hope for yourself, hope for the future. Right. Yeah. It's not an external okay. thing. It's an internal thing. Yes. When you mentioned honesty, it just, it, it just, it cuts straight to the core because I, I don't know how to be anything but honest, right? Like I've, I've, but I've got, you are rare because I'm so rare. rare. Well, and, rare. I, and, and I'm rare. I am rare. And I'm also very, very aware. Like I am but, also, but, 
but you you're qualified just like me because you lived in an authentic existence for a long time. Yes. And it wasn't until somebody else, in this case, your ex-husband, showed you just how in denial you were. Bam. Right. Now, I mean, Bam. I don't have to tell your story, but I mean, America knows your story. Yeah. So, but that's the reality. You and I are qualified to be champions of authenticity and honesty, which is the first step of every talk I do. The yeah. first pillar of every talk I do is get honest because yeah. we can't do shit without that. Yeah. Because everybody's like, how do I solve the problem? Well, first of all, you've got to be honest about the problem because that's the, the part that so few people are doing it. What about Billy Joel? Do you like the honesty is such a lonely word? Do you know the Billy Joel song? <laughs> I, that I do know because I love Dude. music. Dude, <laughs> okay, no, even if you feel like his, his style is cheesy and it's old school, that song is just, that's the, that's the mantra for corporate America. All right, Billy Joel. Honesty is such a lonely word. I mean, let's just double click on that. <laughs> well, and and how many people lead a life that they're not happy in because they're not being honest with yes. self? And yes. they're what you know. Look, identify success however you choose. If it is success, that's in right. That's America, right. If it's success in family, if it's success, just simply like getting up every day and having a life that freedom you choose. What, what a freedom whatever it is right whatever yeah. success is how many people are unhappy and not leading a successful quote life mm -hmm. because they're not being honest with self now why they're also not loving their weird yes they're not yes. loving their weird and i'm telling you i would never yes. be able to make the bold moves that i have made in my life had i not also embraced and loved my weird which for me, I mean, I've, I've had many, many friends that have said, you know what? I just like, you're too this, you're too that, you're too whatever it is. Like you, you're too flighty. That's always my favorite. You have butterfly brain. I'm like, yeah, I freaking love my butterfly brain, man. Like yeah. I'm in the yeah. middle of butterfly a conversation. Butterfly where all the good imaginative ideas come from. Exactly. Like when I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden a hummingbird comes into my path, I'm like, whoa, hold, please stop squirrel like <laughs> let's look at the hummingbird that's that's my weird i freaking love it i embrace it if you don't love it so be it like don't be a part well, of it well that's the other thing all right so the everybody wants to get to a point this is important here right cuz i i'm i've worked with as you know over 300 people to help them find sobriety that's actually been the beauty of my journey in sobriety it's not been my sobriety it's been theirs yeah. And what that's taught me, because every single person that that's trying to battle addiction, battle these different things, they're all they all want something that that they see in me. And that is they can tell that I'm immune to what people think about. me. Yeah, <laughs> they can see that you can feel it. I mean, you can feel it. And it's true. I have become immune, but it was because I yes. was willing to destroy my master, your purpose reputation. And I did. There's people that still think I'm the antichrist for getting a divorce. I mean, you, if you're listening, you know who you are and I, and I see you, but here's the thing. Like once I burnt the pedestal to the ground, I was on a golden pedestal that I had created. When I burnt that mofo to the ground, scorched the earth with the pedestal, that was the beginning of my freedom. Now here's the kicker. Here's the part that people don't like about this, but this is the truth. If you would like to be completely set free from what people think of you, and I'm not talking about the, oh, fuck them. Uh, I don't care what they think. Like, I'm going to live my life. That's not love your weird. Love your weird is not like, oh, I'm going to love my weird and you can deal with it. 
that that's not that's not what this is. That's not what this is. What it is 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 that I'm okay with you not being okay with me. Yes. Now there's only there's something you have to give up. It's the price of admission for this guy. So check it out. This is the part you're not gonna like, but but f around and find out. Here's what it is. I had, if I wanted to, no longer be trapped in a prison of what everyone else thought of me for validation to be enough. Okay. Which is a journey of shame that Sarah's an expert at that. When we overcome that, that's the beauty of it. The truth is everything I did to master my purpose was actually to just try to get you to validate me to be enough. So once I realized that was happening and I realized that, that I no longer wanted that to be my North was what you thought about me. I realized that if I want to be free from the prison of you thinking bad about me, I don't want you to think bad about me. I want you to think good about me. In order for me to be free from that, to be free from it, I had to also not only give up and let go of what you think bad about me. Mm. I had to give up what you thought good about me too. Mm. Now, this is the magic. Trust me when I tell you something, if you're willing to give up, and this is, I'm talking to the men in the room, women, you're better at this already, but both everybody needs to hear it. And this is what it is. If you're willing to give up the good things that people say about you, you will be free of the bad things. Yeah. But it's, it's all or none. You have to be willing to give up both as it relates to our ego. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to give up both. And this is this is hard. And the because the, the thing is nowadays, what I've learned is that, the, for example, like the connection that I've made with you or the connection I've made with other people, like what you said to me, and I was on a call with somebody just now and they were like, oh my God, I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. The only reason that can happen is because I'm not looking for your approval. Exactly. I'm Bam. not looking for your approval. And Bam. guess what happens, everybody? Yep. You have a great approval rating. Go yep. fucking figure. Yep. Go figure. Exactly. And and this relates to everybody's journey, wherever they're at. Personal we development. breaking every you bureau know. rule. We've dropped so many F-words. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> like, we had, that's what we had. And I was trying oh, not right. to curse. That's I was right. trying to be your first podcast that was bureau friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, bureaus out there. Look, I don't curse from the stage if it makes you feel better. Oh my gosh. He asked that question during boot camp. Oh, I was really like, oh no. I was like, so can we talk cussing? Like we don't talk. Well, here's. Oh no. It's a whole thing in my house right now. We don't have time to cover it today, but (laughs) if I could tell you a whole story about cussing right now, we're having in my house. It's a whole thing with the eight-year-old, two eight-year-olds and a a 10 and 11 year old. We did Uh have that conversation because we're both speakers. And I asked, I raised my hand. I'm so glad you asked because I had no idea. I'm like, oh, Lord. Let's start cussing. And they were like, don't cuss on social media. Don't cuss in your podcast. Don't. You know how many things we would have to delete from the Internet for you and I to qualify for this? (laughs) Well, trauma survivors cuss. There's there's a whole thing with this. Passionate people cuss. (laughs) <laughs> adult listen that's what i tell my kids look if you're 18 and you under the you understand the context of of how to use the words it's fine look when you're under 18 i can't tell you what to do uh, other than don't say them because there's too many there's too many ways it's going to get in the way of your usefulness to others and that that is something that i that i kind of always look at it's something i'm not going to do it's i only don't curse in certain settings if i think it's going to get in the way of me being useful to you right you know? And I know darn well you and I's 
conversations, it's definitely not going to get in the way. In fact, it'll probably make us even closer if I curse. So, <laughs> but you look at it, you know, you got to look at it. It's, this is, this is how it is. This is how it is. You and I always keep it real. That's what's so fun. Like that's literally, I, I, I honor your, I honor the fact that we have this relationship because we do, we keep it very rare, very real. So I want to dive into really, we only have a little bit more time here, but I do want to dive into this because it's so important how much that loving your weird, loving who you are has allowed you to step into this man that you are today. That is one of the most important things that I think that people need to really hold onto and listen to mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever that weird is. And here's the thing is that is that I think so often we have stifled our weird that mm-hmm. we don't even know what our weird is. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, we've stifled it. And yes. going back to that child within us allows yes. us to bring up that weird, whatever it is. Um, yes. So so let's dive into that, because I think it's so important for people to to really, really sit with that. In our healing journeys, when I'm taking people now, now understand my work is shifting now, as you and I were talking about, it's shifting mm-hmm. from this whole journey of healing into this journey of making those bold moves. Mm-hmm. And that said, that's like the umbrella, right? The bold moves is really, really important. You can't make those bold moves unless you also embrace every version of who you are, including right. that weird, right? Where you can dive into, okay. I've lived through some really hard experiences. I've become sober. I've whatever it is, right? Like I've gone through a divorce. I've lost a child, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And being able to heal from that and being able to be honest with yourself allows you to make those bold moves in every area of your life, including business. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that people also Mm -hmm. don't understand or don't grasp onto. We spend so much time at work in our lives half of our lives are essentially at work as far as, as we're as adults. And so you can't ignore that. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's take a step back and I want to honor something that you said, because there is no loving your weird without also honoring what's in the way of your weird. So let, for the sake of my work, weird is, is whoever you were at five or six years old. Hmm. Now here's the thing. And you know, this as well as I do, because you've done deep work with people that can't remember. Yeah. You know, the, you oh, know what yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, and yeah. there's a reason why. And right. that reason is trauma. Trauma mm-hmm. is something that I, I don't want to ignore in this conversation. Right. Yeah. And everyone has a different level of trauma. But until I squared off on mine, which started back six years ago, of what was Trump, what was my trauma? And mine wasn't as deep as a lot of other people's. So I, I always try to recognize that in the room honor that fact that like if you don't remember what it was like what you did for make-believe when you were five or what you were into at five it's okay first of all and but that is the unlock Mm -hmm. that five six-year-old self and i think what it is is it's the earliest memories that you can actually remember get once you get past the trauma right and sometimes people aren't able to remember even after healing the trauma and so what i encourage them to do is imagine who they would have wanted their 5 or 6 year old to be yes okay but that 5 or 6 year old is the unlock no matter how you split it i mean i'm technically an innovation speaker right which is like huh but the, that's I, because if you unlock the 5 or 6 year old you don't have a problem with innovation you don't have a problem with authenticity you don't have a problem with with collaboration and selflessness so that's where we go and sometimes it's a longer journey for some 
because of the trauma. So I want to honor that, that if, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I don't even know where to start, start small. Yeah. Okay. Start small. It will grow. Okay. I've been doing this a long time to get to the, the person that you see today. It started small with writing a letter to my six-year-old self, just reconnecting. Um, I, either that or it was from my six-year-old self. I can't remember. Anyway, I started reconnecting with my six-year-old self. And, and today, I don't go anywhere without him. Yeah. But I used to hide the fact that like, this is kind of weird. Like I wanted to be an astronaut, a TV preacher, and an inventor, and a cowboy all at the same time. Which nowadays, people are like, well, hell yeah, that's cool. You know, that's exactly what you see now. Yeah, but like for a while, I thought I needed to be buttoned up. I used to wear a tie and, you know, all these different things that I would hide behind a suit. That's where I hid for a long time because I thought that was that was the answer. And people hide and wear different types of masks. But at the end of the day, once we take the mask off and we're bold enough, as you say, to take the mask off and to square off on this trauma and to reconnect with this five-year-old self, I think that most people who are stuck in life or don't have passion and they don't know what, what's where they're even at anymore because of so many external things that they have to quote live for that going back to that five-year-old self is the unlock. That's the, that's the secret to figuring out who was that weird kid before the world told you that that doesn't make sense or that's ridiculous, or you need to be this, or you need to be that, or that idea doesn't work because of this math equation. But when you peel back all the greatest people that ever lived in history that we all have on our posters and, and put up on these huge skyscraper-sized pedestals, like Einstein, right? You think of Einstein as a scientist, E equals MC squared, all these, all these scientific breakthroughs, you think of him as a math guy. But truth is, he wasn't. He was an imagination guy. He came out and said, imagination is more powerful than knowledge. If knowledge was the most powerful thing in this world, then we'd all be superheroes by now, thanks to Google. Mm. We'd all be superheroes. The fact is, is that imagination, that's the hope that you talked about, the inspiration you talked about, the invisible, the belief, the God matter, the universe, all those pieces that we don't ever, ever, ever really bring into the strategy at work. That's the problem. You want to know why people don't love their weird at work is because we ignore human aspects of ourselves thinking that we're going to have breakthroughs. Like we're only coming with 25% of ourselves. How the hell are we supposed to have this like great breakthrough if we're coming with 25 to 50% of ourselves? If you if we don't create space for people to come at 100%, knowing full well that that's going to be weird, then you're not going to make it. You will be replaced by machines straight up. You and I, and I hate to say it, but you will be. So if you're afraid of the machines taking over, Love your weird and see what happens because that's the key. Because loving your weird, what does it do? The simple fact is that it brings me grounded squarely on the thing that makes me uniquely human, that supernatural quality. And so I'll leave you with this because I know we're bumping at the end of time. But this is the thing. Once I started adopting this new mantra of love your weird, I found out this like unsuspecting truth. And you might've heard me talk about this, but most people don't know that the original word weird was spelled differently. It was spelled W-Y-R-D. Shakespeare's who kind of made it popular and also kind of twisted it with like the sisters in Macbeth and all that, the weird sisters. But before that, it meant the power to control or influence your fate, destiny, and my favorite, supernatural qualities. So the truth is loving your weird isn't just about loving something that's novel or odd or different or owning your differentness. 
It's actually about owning and loving your destiny and your unique supernatural quality and mining that and nurturing that and going all in on that because that is how you augment for a future where no one's left behind. That is how you stand in the face of massive disruption, massive seismic shifts, and not just survive, not just heal to your point, but thrive, soar, and take bold moves. Dude, I I don't know that, that we can end. I, I just like... <laughs> Well, good because we're out of time. We're out of time. That said, but this was beautiful. There's never enough. Keep time. having this. There's never enough, and we need to keep having this conversation as as our you know journeys continue because there's so much to be learned and for other people. Uh, my favorite podcast. I've done a lot of them, and you are on the list of the top three of my ultimate favorites because for something we can drop in so quick into some oh. just beautiful stuff. That's coming straight from the heart. And I love that about this podcast. So thank you so much for having me on again. Well, really thank you for coming on again. And let's let's do this again. And uh, go love your weird, everybody. Make those bold. Do it. Do just it. Just do it. Own it and just it. be gentle with yourself. Take your time, but don't flinch. Exactly. I always say play. Play a little bit more in it because that's yeah. where you find yourself as well. That's right. That's thank all you, you care about is five or six. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Frankie. I really- It's my deep pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you. I believe in us and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahsholtenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.